Good morning. Please turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18 as I, as I set up shop here. Uh, for those uh, of us, for the kids here uh, in our service, uh, one, we are so grateful that you are here. Personally, for me, uh, as a father of two, I have really enjoyed uh, to be able to sit with my kids and be able to worship uh, together. Amen? Uh, I grew up uh, going to church where I sat next to my parents. Um, and uh, I'm not going to say that I enjoyed it all the time. Uh, but uh, as an adult, I can look back and have faith-shaping memories. Um, I can't tell you what I heard from any uh, thing at church, but sitting next to my parents, sitting next to my mom, to be specific, <laughs> was a spiritual formation for me. Uh, that worshiping God, going to church, sitting together, having rough mornings together was part of a spiritual formation that I believe was part of me desiring God when I became a teenager. And so I am so grateful uh, that we can sit next to our children. I believe for me personally, it's one of the gifts uh, that this circumstances has brought about uh, pulling the family together even more. Amen. In first Samuel, Samuel chapter 18. We're going to look and continue our study series, Models, Models of Faith. But before that, I want to say thank you on behalf of Hope Worldwide, and specifically the Tijuana Border Programs. I serve as the director of the Tijuana Border Programs part-time and part-time here as an evangelist in the North Orange County Ministry. And part of our special missions contribution, 10,000 of those dollars goes directly into to our Tijuana border programs. Another 10,000 goes to 25 families in the Tijuana church. These are brothers and sisters that live in extreme poverty, most of them over the age of 60. And so those $10,000 are distributed monthly for them, for them to have enough food, uh, you know, to sustain and live a dignifying life. Amen. And so I want to say thank you to you. Uh, for that because sometimes it's easy to miss uh, the impact that our special missions makes. Uh, and so I want to walk you through a little bit of what we do in our Tijuana border programs. Excuse me, I'm going to have to be turning around here. Uh, and so what we do is uh, we have uh, services that we do in Tijuana and then we take volunteers from the U.S. You know, the border between San Diego and Tijuana uh, is the most commuted border in the world. And it's the only border where you have third world and first world right next to each other. All borders throughout the rest of the world are first world to first world, third world to third world, and divided by seas. But this border has a lot of stories to tell. And so you literally cross into a whole other world. 
and we take a spiritual formation journey in a posture of we are here as students, we are not here as saviors. We are not, we're here in our privilege to provide some resources, but we also recognize our own spiritual poverty. And we take from the riches of those that we serve, which include joy, gratitude, and a faith in God. A people that live in tensions where grief and joy occur in their lives at the same time. And that is one of the messages I think that we are gifted with. Because oftentimes when we're grieving, we feel like we can't have joy. But we meet a people, communities, families that have grief and joy at the same time. And so that's our team right here. Uh, and, uh, you know, we get to live together when we stay overnight. Uh, and so we have a communal uh, uh, dining area and then we have dorms for women and men. Uh, we have late night fellowship and you can't see, but Kyle has fallen asleep because he's so tired from serving. And I wanted to say that because he's not here. He's preaching in the central ministry. And, uh, you know, everything that we do, we want to empower our uh, the brothers and sisters in the Tijuana church that they lead this. And so our signature program is dentistry, dental help. In a world like the borderland, when you have oral pain and you go see a dentist, that dentist becomes a miracle worker. And so we've discovered that one of the greatest needs in these communities that we visit is dentist. That was a shocker to us. That is not what we desire to do. It sounds a little boring even, which speaks to the nature of wanting to save the world in us rather than learn how God is saving the world. And so we've learned that, you know, dentistry is the biggest needs in this community. And then we find out that our that the Tijuana Church has four dentists. And so God had already provided for us. And so we are now the official dentist of 250 kids that leave in, in vulnerable or orphans. Specifically, 120 of those 250 are orphans. And because we've built relationships with the orphanages and the kids and the Tijuana Church, the Orange County as a, donating, a, donation, a church that donates, this is all revolves around relationships. And so you have somewhat of a relationship with your dentist. We want these children to have that kind of relationship with a Mexican dentist, someone that looks like them, speaks their language, that can inspire them, that they too can go to college and get a career. It's been inspiring to see the teens in the Tijuana church change their, the course of their career. Now they want to be dentists because they see that their career can be used to serve in the kingdom of God. And so this is a 16-year-old teen disciple. What we do is we give a lesson to the kids, we give a presentation, and it's always our Mexicans leading those uh, lessons. And so this is a 16-year-old teen leading a class. So inspiring. Can we go to the next slide? 
And so this is some of the work that we do. Can we go back? And so uh, we have a partnerships with a daycare ministry and an orphanage. The daycare ministry, uh, they have a dental office that has not been used because dentists have stopped coming. And so after we've made that connection and that relationship, we, t we, we, we got together, we hired a technician, we repaired that dental office, and so now we can do fill-ins and all kinds of different work for those kids. And we're working on the same plan for the orphanage, but for now we have this sort of, you know, uh, set up uh, that, that helps those kids uh, in that way. And so it is an amazing time. And this is, you're a part of that. And so our special missions is special. So I want to say, I want to say thank you for that. And we're also in the process of building our own community center. And so we've finally broken ground after a pandemic and all kinds of different challenges. <laughs> and this will be our, our headquarters so that when, teen, when kids need extra help uh, with their oral health needs, we're setting up a dental office here for them to come and receive that help. We're also setting up a, 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 a kitchen so that the kids in the local elementary school will have a breakfast set up for them because if they're eating healthy, they'll stay focused in school, get better grades, and education is one of the ways to break through the cycles of, of poverty. And we're also gonna have a local library for that community, which will have an ex a mobile library so that everywhere we go, we bring books with us. And as the kids are waiting to see the dentist, we have a re reading time, reading story, and we are able to give those kids books afterwards. We want books in people's homes uh, and in the orphanage. Amen? And I want to thank all the teens uh, who put together dental kits. Uh, we're so grateful uh, for that. Uh, for Anna Martinez, who also donated uh, you know, dental kits for the adults, because we also serve the staff at the orphanage. Uh, and uh, it's, it's amazing. So I'm looking forward for you to personally participate if you can uh, in, these, in these. Amen? All right. So I knew it was going to go long because, you know, you talk about my passion here. Let's, uh, let's turn to 1 Samuel chapter 18. So we're in the study series titled Models of Faith. And I think the connection with what I just shared uh, about in relationships and empowering relationships, services that, that, that empower others, is very much connected to today's, to today's lesson. Um, sorry, when I raise my hand, let's just click the next slide. <laughs> And so, you know, we've been studying out uh, different models of faith, and today we're going to look at friendship, uh, specifically a friendship between David and Jonathan. And so for the kids, the word of the day today is Jonathan. And so please tally how many times we say the name Jonathan. All right, let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1. 
after David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him of himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David along with the tunic and even his own sword, his bow, and his belt. The passage continues how uh, women came out and they sang songs about, about Saul's leadership, but they also sang songs about David because David had just defeated Goliath. And so he quickly became a national hero, a sign of hope. But King Saul becomes very jealous of David and insecure about David and quickly decides in his heart to try to bring harm upon David. And so we are here in 1 Samuel. Um, and as I mentioned, prior to this, David faced Goliath and defeated Goliath. Saul had already been appointed king. And, uh, you know, there's a story there of how he was appointed king. And I think it's important for us to understand what's taking place in 1 Samuel. And I think it'll help us to understand a little bit more how unique this friendship is between Saul, David, and um, and the circumstances and the crisis that they faced together. How many of you have read the first Samuel before? Most of us. If you have not, spoiler alert here, but please go back and read first Samuel. Um, you know, the first first Samuel begins. And we think back to Mother's Day service when we kicked off this series, uh, Models of Faith. And we, it begins with the faithfulness of a woman and God answering her prayer and God providing life. And then God calling that life Samuel, calling Samuel to his service. And so the story of 1 Samuel begins with God calling a prophet. The 1 Samuel begins with God creating life. And with Hannah dedicating her son, giving to God. And so we find those elements at the introduction of 1 Samuel. We find faithful woman. We find God giving life. The woman give, dedicating her son to God. And we find God calling Samuel to be his prophet. That's how the story begins. And that's intentional by the writer to show this is God's desire to give life and to call into a relationship and to have leadership for his people, but that leadership be through the prophets that he calls. But things turn because at the same time we find the ambition of man. So we have God's desires and the man's ambition. And so they want a king. 
rejecting God as their king. And we hear God's heart and he's broken and hurt about it. Samuel is struggling. But God says, I thought I would be their king. Let's give them what they want. And this first, the first Samuel ends with those kings, with that king going to war with his sons and dying. So it begins with God calling to life and calling into a relationship, and it ends with men's ambition going to war and dying as a family. And if we see that, I think we'll better understand all that takes place in 1 Samuel, and to some degree, all throughout Scripture. But in this background, we find this friendship of two people that should have not been friends, Jonathan and David. We know more about David based on his, his battle with Goliath, but I think we should probably know more about his friendship with Jonathan. And so their friendship is quite unique because King Saul, as I mentioned earlier, immediately is jealous of David. Jonathan is the son of Saul. And we read right here, immediately, King Saul says, okay, David, you're going to be a commander. We find out what his, his ambition was, I want to just have control over you. So let me have you be in my army so I can keep control over you. I don't want any rivals. So Saul is a man consumed with fear, consumed with jealousy, and he's willing to manipulate situations for selfish gain. And so he is the perfect representation of man's ambition in contrast to God's, to God's heart. I hope we see that. And so Jonathan, what does Jonathan do? Jonathan sees that David is now appointed a commander, and he was appointed a commander without giving, being given an armor. So what does Jonathan do? He gives his armor, his belt, his cloak to him immediately. In some ways foreshadowing what the kingdom of God is going to be like described by John the Baptist in Luke. When he talks about how, you know, when you see someone who doesn't have something and you have it, give it to them because that is a sign of the kingdom where people share their possessions freely. And so Jonathan becomes this sign of hope. Is Jonathan going to go after God's desires? Or is Jonathan going to pursue man's ambition? We know David desires God. We know Saul is selfish ambition. Where is Jonathan going to go? And quickly, Jonathan learns who he needs to be because of David's needs. Let me say that again. Jonathan learns who he needs to be because of David's needs. You see, the best of our humanity is summoned when you witness others in need. 
And so Jonathan likely knew why David was appointed by his dad. Oh, I know my dad. I know why he did that. So let me set you up. Immediately Saul becomes jealous of David. Immediately Jonathan loves David as himself. Foreshadowing the law of Christ. And so Jonathan becomes this unique figure that sometimes is lost in the Goliaths and the Davids and the building and all this other stuff. But in some ways, Jonathan is a good guide for us. And immediately, Jonathan is introduced as someone who is generous, who is thoughtful, who is attentive and aware to the needs in front of him. Amen? And so we move on. The story continues, and things get more complicated for David. And again, this is an invitation for you to go and read a little bit more. But in Samuel chapter 19... We see that Saul continues to find ways to try and control David. He's already, he's already set up a marriage, Saul has, with one, of his, with one of his daughters to David. And so her name is Michal. At least that's what I pronounce. That's how I pronounce her name. We're friends on Facebook. And can you imagine, like, she loves David. Saul's like, oh, you know what? Let me, let me get you married because you're going to ruin his life. I mean, that's the type of dad Saul is, manipulating even his children for selfish gain. Again, men's ambition, God's desire. Very different. And now Saul is plotting to assassinate David. And shout out to Michal, who helps him escape. And so all throughout this narrative, David is escaping Saul. And we can say that Saul represents the worst of humanity, oppression, manipulation, abuse of power, greed and David is always being chased by Saul just like you and I are constantly being chased by the Saul's in our lives the desire for comfort the desire for selfish gain selfish ambition control power greed that kind of ambition is always after us or already growing within us. But David runs, but he can't run alone. He needs a friend. And we find Jonathan here once again, being that loyal friend trying to mediate between David and dad, King Saul. And so David's letting him know, your dad wants to kill me. Jonathan's like, no, 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 you're out of your mind. He doesn't want to kill you. Trust me, he wants to kill me. Let me go talk to dad for you. 
So he talks to dad. There's this big banquet happening. We're now in chapter 20. And Saul assures that, you know what, David can come. He's good. But, you know, David, Jonathan kind of keeps pressing there, hey, what's really going on? And the heart of Saul comes out. It makes it very clear. I am going to kill David. And I'm asking you, son Jonathan, to kill him as well. And so David, in his discerning of what Saul is up to, has a conversation with Jonathan. They set up a sign. Right? They set up a sign. He, he's hiding in the wilderness. There's this, you know, uh, meal that's happening every day because of a festival. And the sign is, if Jonathan shoots arrows, three arrows, and they hit in a certain place, a sign they had set up, that means, yes, he wants to kill you. And if, when he sends the boar to get the arrows, if he says, hey, bring them back, that means we're good. But if he says, no, it's the arrow's way back there, that's a sign to David that Saul did want to kill him. It's kind of a weird sign. Like, couldn't you just go tell him? But let's not miss how intense the whole king guard, all the whole setup, the palace guard was looking and hunting David. They had to be... Even though that's an awkward sign, that was how intense the persecution was. And so there's David in the wilderness, wishing he could be in the palace, having meals with friends and having security. And then there's a friend who sees if this is going to work out for him, realizes it's not. Jonathan chooses his loyalty to David, ultimately to God's desires, than man's ambition, dad. So then again, Jonathan becomes this guide for us. And Jonathan ensures David, hey, you should go. And the interactions between them, the emotions that they share, are so unique and so special. And so what are some of the things that we can learn here? We learn that friendship is a gift from God. That friendships helps us, if we are David, to run away from the Saul's in our lives. But we need friends to help us not be overcome by those selfish ambitions. And we learn that we also need to be Jonathan's. Learning and choosing to desire God, but we learn to be who God wants us to be when we see the needs of others. And so Jonathan witnesses again and again the needs of David and the corruption of Saul. And time and time again, Jonathan chooses serving, giving, loving. And one of the things that, that, that sometimes is missed is oftentimes it's mentioned here that they make a covenant. And so their friendship is a covenant before the Lord. You know, as we get ready to take communion, that covenant of friendship has been given to us in one another because of Jesus. And so we already are under a covenant of friendship. But we need to learn from David and learn that we need to escape the Saul's in our lives. But we need friends 
in the Lord to help us escape the Saul's in our lives. Without Jonathan, David dies. And we need to learn from Jonathan to be able to see the needs of others and be able to give. And in that giving, we ourselves are being helped to have the God desires rather the ambitions of man. Isn't this a beautiful story? I hope it's today that it speaks to you in fresh ways, guiding our desires to desire God, to discern the needs of others, to accept the friendships of Jonathan's in our lives that God puts there. You know, David did not choose Jonathan. Jonathan chose David. Sometimes unexpected friendships come your way. You're like, oh, we don't relate. And you can miss out the gift of God that comes in mysterious ways almost all the time. We didn't expect for our signature program to be dentistry. And think about your life in, in faith. You didn't expect that person to be such a great friend. So be open to God about the other how different they are, but how they can be a gift from God to help you escape from the Saul's in your life. Amen? Let's go ahead and let's pray for communion. God, we're so grateful to read from Scripture and discover new things in new ways that are still so relevant to our lives, in our personal lives, but also in our, the life of our community. And so we pray here in the North that we would choose the desires of God rather than man's ambition. We pray to desire you like David desired you. And we pray to accept unexpected friendships like David accepted Jonathan's friendship. We pray to be like Jonathan, aware and in tune with the needs of others so that the best humanity in us the God-desiring humanity in us may be summoned as we witness the needs of others. All of this, God, we know it, it somewhat foreshadows the journey of Jesus, the epistles of Paul, the law of Christ. Help us to discern and choose friendships in the Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.